What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest and the greatest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, October 2nd, 2023, and this week's episode, Bellator's Seminal Night. We'll talk about the week in MMA news, Cedric Dumbe lighting up Paris, France, Angela Lee uh, electing, you know, making it official, vacating her title, retiring, and everything that has come out about her... I want to say advocacy for those struggling with their mental health. I think it's a beautiful thing. We'll get into that. We'll talk about the two fight cards coming up this weekend. Uh, in Vegas, UFC Vegas 80, Grant Dawson looking for his big moment against Bobby Green. And of course, Bellator 300, a seminal night with three title fights now. One was canceled. We'll get into that. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. I am uh, happy to talk to you, but a little sniffly. Something in the air is making me sneeze, and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were talking about a little bit off air last week. I really, uh, I got really beat up too with it. Um, that's the thing about Southern California, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to know something, it's really hot, and that'll actually toast a lot of the, you know, shrubbery and you know, other plant life, and so your allergies are fine, and then the second it cools off, they all bloom in mass, because they haven't been able to all season, and so, yeah, the allergies have been uh, really ravaging Southern California, but, you know, first world problems, as they say, as they say. Uh, October, I mean, you know what, uh, I gotta say, like, October is when it's like, uh, you know how, you know, in school they talk about senioritis, yeah. October feels like the senioritis of the year. It's like, okay, well, you're hustling and you're grinding and, you know, you have obviously spring and then summer. And then the second you get to October, you, that's when people start talking about, ah, I'll probably start next year. It's like, we got three months left. I'm going to start <laughs> next year. Oh, wait so, for that New Year's resolution, right? Bro, you got one quarter left or one third of it, but whatever say one quarter yeah and it's like dude um yeah yeah you get what i mean so uh, i just always find it and yes of course people we get to the part of the year with a lot of decorations so you know i don't hate on that but it's good uh no mma news or sorry mma fights to recap so we're gonna go right into mma news this week um to recap ironically a fight but uh in paris so pfl I guess the mothership still, uh, you know, on ice until November for the championships. But PFL Europe got to take center stage. And I'm going to get into the aftermath in a second. But talking about the brass tacks, former glory champion, probably the, the biggest signee besides Jake and Francis, which I know kind of feels like, well, bro, we just skipped over that one. But no, former glory champion Cedric Dumbe goes out there in front of Kylian Mbappe, the star of France, the hero of the French national team, who took it to Leo Messi and Argentina <laughs> in the World Cup, brought that man to his feet, delivered an electrifying nine-second finish. And really, so I'm going to get into the aftermath, but first off, I mean, look, nine-second banger. It wasn't all systems go. He technically had to counter the other guy. 
he was telling, you know, his opponent, you know, he's shouting in there, Jordan Zebo dead. Kind of like Leon Edwards, headshot, bang. It's a whole thing, right? Yeah. Really exciting stuff. What were your thoughts on a quick recap? Yeah, it was a, look, we love MMA for lots of different reasons, but I think the main reason is those killer knockouts. And when they're killer knockouts that happen, you know, within the first 10 seconds of a fight, it's even more amazing. So this is just an awesome moment. It was, a, it was like, you know, you can't script the timing of this in between UFC. So, you know, this gets all the attention and doing it the way he did it. It kind of reminded me of WWF, you know, where like the guy grabs the leg and then he looks at the crowd and then, and then you know, Hulk Hogan or whatever does the, the drop kick with the other leg. Now, in this case, he used his fist, but it was the same thing. Fast, exciting, you know, that's like you cannot ask for anything more than that out of MMA. No, uh, completely. If anything, even if you just glanced over it, it was a great clip on social media. I totally get why they pushed it so much. Um, so I talked earlier this year, I, and I told you, I want PFL. I, I get it. You don't have the stars of the UFC. Let's uh, enough of this. Uh, it, it's a given. We've already talked about it. It's already understood. I want it to feel like sometimes promote it. Like it's a big event. Make people think, wait, am I missing something right now? Uh I thought PFL did this perfectly. You know, uh, so one, unfortunately, it didn't. American audiences weren't able to watch it. I'll tell you right now, as media, there's certain perks. I was able to watch it. I'll just say it like that. Um, But mostly this is all in Europe, which, you know, it is PFL Europe, respectfully. So that's maybe the one missed shot. But the clip made rounds on social media. The last few fights, if you got to see them and you're listening to us abroad, you know they were actually pretty good too, really exciting. I love the entire delivery of it. They brought out Dan Hardy and Sean O'Connell. They made it seem like a mainline PFL event. Yeah. And then you also had the... um, uh, Okay, so look, I, I watch a lot of this stuff. Like, for example, it's Taylor Swift mania with the NFL. Right. Like, she's supporting the guy... And, like, NFL has her picture as the header. They have the whole, the team is 2-0 and as Swifties in the bio. They're, like, latching on to something even bigger. And it's like this symbiosis. They're growing both, right? Mm-hmm. Football people are suddenly, what's up with Taylor? Obviously, a lot of the girls and the other non-football people who follow Taylor are suddenly tuning in for the gossip of the, at the football game on Sunday night. I like that they did this with Kylian Mbappe. Because, to be real with you, and I actually put this out there, a lot of people told me that the soccer players are infinitely more famous abroad than even, you know, Miss Americana is at football in America. (laughs) I love that they had that Mbappe cam because it made for this, it, it just elevated the moment. It made it feel like, wait, what's going on? Mbappe's here for what? Oh my gosh, look at that knockout. Wait, this guy was what? Perfect. You know people weren't talking about Cedric Dumbe if you just follow UFC. Now, Cedric Dumbe's on the radar. Well done by PFL. That's probably my biggest thing. Yes, great performance, great clip and all that. Here's what I want to talk to you about as we expand on this. So Cedric Dumbe, if not last year, maybe earlier this year, was not only in talks with UFC, he'd actually signed a fight. 
And here's something a lot of people may be surprised about. When you're signed to the UFC, you're not always signed to an immediate four-fight contract. Sometimes they do give you the one and the provision that we're going to offer you more. But if you don't win the one, it's completely possible that we just don't go with it. Now, many people, depending on the context, they almost always get at least two or three. Dumbe was signed to the UFC, was going to fight, got injured, had to withdraw, and the UFC just decides to, uh, you know, kind of do a release. And I think the thinking was, if we are interested later, we will resume talks again. Now, they signed him, if I'm not mistaken, put it this way, they got him at a bargain price. Like, they had that nice, big, yellow, on-sale sticker. (laughs) <laughs> of Cedric Dumbe's contract. Cedric Dumbe in an interview said he had held out hope because he wanted to fight for the UFC in Paris. Mm. The offer never came. The talks never took off. PFL comes in, offers him about six times the amount that the UFC was paying him. And obviously he is the centerpiece of PFL Europe right now. He was going to fight, not in regular season, but... On the mainline PFL cards, but he had an issue earlier this year. And, you know, Natalie, I was looking at it. We talked about the whole, you know, what does the Saudi Arabia component now do for your ability to negotiate? Picking up guys like Cedric Dumbe and being able to afford them in mass is huge for PFL. And I think that this is a great example of like, you know what? I know PF sorry UFC does not lose sleep over losing X XYZ guys of right Of course not yeah However when you let uh, the fact that you had him at a bargain and you lost him and you know now this is going on I will say you can't let that happen indefinitely every time And I think this is where PFL is now they can actually grab guys like Dumbe and they have the resources and the brand power right now that they could push it and really create more like Saturday. And now, I'm not saying that this suddenly made PFL the, you know, the shadow looming over UFC. But I do feel like in terms of the business, there are a lot of guys who just watch Cedric Dumbe. They realize, yo, he got paid how much? And he did what? And look at the thing with Mbappe. And they know they could be that guy. I think that is very, very huge when you talk about the business overall. What about what about you? Yeah, they are doing, you know, the right things and also catching some lucky breaks um, with, you know, not a lucky break. I mean, they obviously plan to have Killian in the crowd, but, you know, you can't predict that Dumbay is going to finish his opponent, finish his opponent in the manner that he did and in nine seconds. You can't predict it, but, you know, it... Sometimes the cards just line up for you. And so, you know, everything on paper, uh, I shouldn't say everything, a lot of things on paper for the PFL are looking very good. Since they've debuted, since they debuted however many years ago, four or five years ago, every year there's something exciting to talk about. And then ultimately, like we say, you know, kind of fizzles out because the UFC is just so dominating. They got a lot more steam going now, right? A lot more than they've ever had with Francis, Jake, and Francis, you know, having this other fight. Look, you have your PFL fighter, top heavyweight in the world, scheduled to fight the top boxing heavyweight in the world, 
that's a big deal. I would put that on the top of every masthead, everywhere I could on every T-shirt. And Jake Paul is, you know, whether you like him or not, one of the biggest uh, names in the world of combat sports, whether you think he's good or not or you like his fights or not. So they have all these great things on paper, and now we just have to wait to see how everything actually, you know, shakes shakes out for them because this is a nice bump with the Doombay um, KO, but you know, there's there's still a lot more to 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 work out. However, I do wonder. You, you know, you say UFC isn't losing sleep over losing Doombay. Do you think they're losing sleep over the progress PFL is making, the growth that they're having, the attention they're getting, and the fact that they're on ESPN with UFC? Good question. I think that Dana and the powers that be are always going to downplay it. Yeah. I'd also point out, I mean, look what they just did at Wall Street with the huge belts with TKO and everything. Right. To say that, oh, UFC's in trouble, guys, UFC's not in trouble. That, if you're thinking <laughs> that, you are. Uh, I, I know you were caught up in the moment and Dumbe and Mbappe and all that. They're not in trouble. Let, let's, not, uh, let, let's not entertain that notion. However, I do think that the UFC sees these things and not for nothing is a little aware that sometimes you're going to need to actually kind of knuckle down and actually show why you can beat them shot for shot. And sometimes people talk about this and, you know, you see it. Sometimes it feels very, all the events sometimes feel the same. At the apex, everyone's dressed the same and not every fight is a superstar. So it kind of feels like, oh, you know, this is the... You know, this is the slow game on the calendar, right? right. If you're watching yeah. football, baseball, basketball. I think that when you see PFL doing what they do, at a certain point there almost always has to be a all right, let's just let's just actually mess around and throw out a gangbusters fight. Let's just stack this card, let's just go everywhere, let's just make them do a lot of media and watch what happens to PFL when we actually really put some muscle behind it you know yeah you know right now they're in their victory lap let's actually go to the pit stop and get it in gear and take off you know like nascar i think that ufc is aware that they may have to do that more to keep pfl firmly out of the rear view now week to week look ufc has had a great seven weeks they've been on if not on the road paris Australia, uh, T-Mobile Arena, all of this stuff, you know, they are doing just fine. They, if anything, why did PFL Europe have this? Because UFC finally gave themselves a week off. Yeah, Because they've been busy. So, I don't know, you know, are they worried? No. That being said, in business, you know, you have to respond to everything. I'm going to go back to the, the Taylor Swift thing. You know, because it's I see this everywhere. There was the viral photo how she eats her chicken tenders. If you look on Twitter, every freaking restaurant that serves tenders, Arby's, Applebee's, McDonald's was posting, you could get your nuggets with ketchup and seemingly ranch. Because that's the tweet that went viral. Wow. Hanes Ketchup comes out and has, we're releasing 
the same day, limited edition seemingly ranch sauce for your food. Now, I'm saying they announced it. The bottles aren't on shelves. It right. could be a joke. But the fact is, they kind of blew the other little tweets out of the water from the McDonald's and the Applebee's and all that. UFC with PFL is kind of the same thing. You're doing all this little stuff. UFC could just come in and just put it down on the table and say, y'all could go home now. UFC might have to do that a little more. And my point of this is that in this game of business, sometimes you just kind of got to play the ace and sweep the board. Whereas before, sometimes you're happy to just trade some cards, win some, lose some, don't show everything. You don't got to play your best cards until the end of the game. That's what UFC has with PFL going on right now. Yeah, they do. And it's very interesting because, again, it's like, you know, the annoying, not annoying, but, you know, like, you're, you're right, though. Like, they're never, UFC's never going to give them credit as being close, as doing anything threatening, as doing anything interesting. They're always, Dana White specifically will always knock everybody else, all the competition down a peg or two, however he can. You know, he'll say they're spending too much money. He'll say, uh, you know, Francis is going to fight nobody's. They'll say, you know, Dubé, yeah, we didn't, we, we dropped him. So great. Good luck with that guy. You know, like there's always some kind of a-hole remark that Dana White will make. And eh, sometimes he's not lying. I won't say he's true, but he's not lying, right? So, like I said earlier, the we're waiting for this to shake out, but it's very promising, and I'm very interested to see how each of these, um, I guess, promises delivers, right? So, uh, we asked this uh, on another show for Cage Side. Does UFC lose sleep when you see your veterans, like guys you let go, Olivier Aubin-Mercier, yeah. Brendan Loughnane, you know, they go to PFL and they win. Here's the thing. UFC knows they let talent go. Right. They do it all the time. It, it happens. And, and, you know, do they know they let decent talent go? Yes. That doesn't mean they're unhappy with their roster. Right. They, at the end of the day, they make their business decisions. You know, do you feel you can have an exciting prospect and you get him at a good price through the brand? That's their business. Um, obviously contender series signs four or five people every week. It feels like, so, you know, are they quote unhappy and all that? No, I think at the end of the day, the UFC makes the moves they want to make. And now look, is it sometimes trying to set a baseline for the business when they, you know, only time will tell if PFL overpaid for doom Bay or if UFC, you know, lowballed him. The truth is, it might be a little bit in the middle. Or Dumbe could just keep doing this to everybody and PFL got the bargain. Who knows? But the fact is, only time will tell. Do they feel this or that about, oh, what we did, what we didn't? Probably not. Because at the end of the day, the UFC has so many resources, they know what they're looking at in the big picture. Now, would they like Dumbe? Probably. Who wouldn't? But... It's not like, oh, we're losing sleep because we don't have Cedric. Right. That's what it is. Yeah, the only one I ever heard Dana White actually express regret for was um, Shane Burgos. Is that the guy who 
Well, he he did say like we dropped the ball. I, you know what? Ball. And that makes me think like, so what? Did Shane Burgos like was his email lost with the seven hundred people on the roster? <laughs> what happened? Right. Like, did you guys forget? Oh yeah, Shane Burgos' deal is up, and it's like, oh whoops. What you mean you you dropped the ball on Shane Burgos? <laughs> Tell me. Yep. So, I know. I don't know. Um, look, obviously PFL keeps going. There's one more event for Europe, but then obviously the championships here in America and Washington on the 24th. By the way, I, I keep screwing this up. It is on Black Friday, Natalie. Pay-per-view on Black Friday again. Oh. Yeah. Well, I guess a lot of people will be home, but they will already have spent all their money yes. shopping for Black Friday. <laughs> Why? Why? I, I want to PS5. I want to play the new Spider-Man game. <laughs> yeah, not PFL. PS5. Yeah, no, but um, you know, it's a budget. I, you know, that's a lot of interviews I got to do. You know. Exactly. Anyway, um, I digress. First world problems. Anyway, uh, Angela Lee announces her retirement, vacates the title, which I know is a big deal because she's. Uh, you could argue the face of one championship. I mean, yeah. she's been there headlining cards before you know Rainier de Ritter and you know all these other people Demetrius and Fairtex and you know maybe a little bit before Rod Tang if not around the same time I think um but probably the biggest thing uh the week before so I think right after we did our last show she was doing a lot of talks with the media about her new foundation fight story, which is made to give a platform to those talking about their struggles with mental health. And because she revealed her younger sister, Victoria, had taken her own life. And that's why we heard of her passing in December. And not only that, Angelo was willing to share the personal story that she'd actually tried to take her own life, which took everyone uh, um, by surprise uh, full disclosure, you know, in the media, you get to know a lot of people. Uh, if you don't know somebody, you tend to know someone who knows somebody. And I did hear out there that the family, though they were keeping it private, that it was um, it was a suicide for Victoria. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, uh, one thing I appreciate, I didn't see anybody putting that out there. Although it did feel like there were some context clues to... When you read some of Angela's and other people's posts. Yes. I appreciated, though, that people respected the family and they kept it under wraps. The fact that Angela shared this, I thought was very uh, commendable. I thought it was very inspiring. This is a champion. This is a young, um, successful, seemingly bright and charming woman being willing to say, hey, when I had everything, I was struggling a lot. I thought that was huge. Um, and she just makes the decision in terms of her fight career. Says, you know, I, regardless of how it sounds, I just don't have it in me to get back out there again after everything that's happened. And uh, she vacates the title. Stamp Fairtex defeated Siu Hiham. And uh, she's now the Atomweight champion. Atomweight 115 pounds in one. Um and yeah, that's really it. Uh, she, she leaves, Angela leaves, longtime champion, had moved up, challenged Xiong Jingnan for her title, 
obviously came back and defeated Stamp after Stamp won her Grand Prix, I think, last year. Uh, quite the legacy. So first off, I'm going to toss it to you, however you'd like to uh, discuss this one. Yeah, it was, you know, big news, important news, shocking news. And you, you got to have a lot of guts to come forward and and admit to doing something, to, her, to, to doing what she attempted to do um, a few years ago in her car, the suicide attempt. You know, everyone remembers that story. And, and I, look, maybe you had an inside, uh, you know, information, but it was very plainly presented as, just a terrible car accident and thank goodness she's alive right and i think they even made it part of her story for the next fight like you know all that she's overcome having to recover from this thing i can't even imagine how hard it must be to to first of all you're in the position where that's the decision you make it doesn't work out i mean she she says in an interview that she felt relief as her car was flipping because she thought it was gonna you know she was gonna finally be free of all this um angst Okay, so it doesn't work. You're alive, and now you have to go along with this story about how you survived this this tragic car accident. The pressure is then just mounting further than it already was before she made the attempt. And then I'm going to assume and imagine the horrible incident uh, with her sister just compounding all of that, right? Maybe if she had come forward with her story, how these are the things I'm, I'm, I'm guessing are running through her mind. If I had told my family what I did, would that have helped my sister? So there's so much on her mind, in her heart, heavy on her heart. It's really ballsy to come out and admit everything. And admit's the wrong word because it's not like the public needed to know these things, but to share the you know gutsy and ballsy of her to share all this, all these, all this truth. Um, and to be in a position where she realizes I don't need it anymore, I've done everything I need to do, and just retire on top. It's a lot to take in, you know, all the information we've received and realizing that she's retiring. But I, I, I liked the moment that I saw with her revealing to Stamp that she was going to retire. And that, I don't know if you saw that video. Yeah. You know, they're crying she asks if she can call Angela her sister and she wants to win the belt like you know as a as a point of honor for Angela i mean it was a beautiful moment of martial arts camaraderie just two human beings really connecting putting all other rivalries or whatever aside so you know out of this great tragedy comes you know very inspirational moments like that one and others i'm sure from everyone around the world watching Angela come forward with this so it's a big deal. It also reminds me a lot of Ronda Rousey. You know, think about that interview she had with Ellen DeGeneres where she revealed how she felt after she lost to Holly Holm and she got beat up for that in the in the social media. Like people were calling her weak and crazy and no one had any empathy for her feelings. And I think it it could have just been a matter of, you know, society has caught up with accepting these confessions from our star athletes it could just be a personality thing you know people just had stronger um feelings about ronda rousey one way or the other but it definitely made me think of her and um 
you know, both of them had very similar careers, similar trajectories, like shot right out of a cannon into into fame, into championship gold status and having to defend it. So um, I am, you know, hoping that what Angela Lee wants to come out of her confession does transpire, that people are inspired, motivated, and maybe relieved to know that they're not alone with these thoughts and feelings. So... Yeah, I, I completely am there with you. Um, a quick note on the Ronda Rousey thing. I think also probably the you know name recognition and the bravado. Remember Angela Lee? I mean, I don't even remember talking trash about Zhang Jingnan, and they had like a whole rivalry going. That's true. Ronda kind of took it to people every week, no matter every who week. you were. <laughs> um, and and so when it happened and the way, you know, it played out and she kind of went radio silent, it felt like, oh, you know, where are you at now? And I think that compounded the loss reaction because you had people who don't watch MMA and following her throwing, you know, onto the, you know, throwing on the pile. Yeah. But I, I digress. Um, I get what you're saying for sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I just think about, you know what? It's just you can only imagine like you went through this. And then you say you miss the signs for your sister, how you must be feeling. And oh my gosh, dude. I, I imagine that has to be why she feels like she wants to step away, a part of it. Um, I know she's done more interviews. I haven't seen all of them. Been a busy weekend. But I have to imagine, like, was I just too focused on me and the wrong things that I didn't see this? I don't want to do that anymore. Look what could have happened had I just been paying better attention. How can that not go through your mind? I know it would go through mine. Yeah. I know definitely. How could it not go through my mind? So I can only imagine. I want to stress that because I I, I don't know her. I've interviewed her once um, several years ago. Um, Not going to act like, you know, I know her like I know other fighters. But I can only imagine that, like, this has to go through it. And that has to be part of why you say, you know, I just... I'm being called to do something else. I want to do something actively, you know, as a goal every day with this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there is a part of me that's like, well, you know, like stand back up and get back in there and honor your sister for your sister. I know fighters and they honor their loved ones after they've passed away in the cage every time. There's a part of me that in the moment was like, I wanted to see that for Angela. But as you hear more about the story, how can you not respect someone saying, you know, as amazing as it's all been and where I'm at and still at the top of my game, my heart is just telling me I have something different to do now. Yeah. How can you not respect that? And that that's where it all comes down to for me. And I just... um. Like you said, I hope that uh, I hope this is the start of something beautiful and helps people and heals people and comes from somebody who gets it and who knows it and has the resources and the passion for it. I think all of that is what I want from this, you know. Um, does part of me think about, well, we could have seen this fight or that fight? Sure, yeah. I mean, we do this every week, right? But yeah. You know, I, I just respect so much of what's going on and what she wants to do. Um, final thing on Angela Lee. Uh, like I talked about at the beginning of it, longtime one championship athlete. I think almost like AJ McKee, all but one of her fights maybe was under the one banner. 
headlines big events. I think she headlined like their one century event, like the 100. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the fight with Zhang Jingnan and all that was big. Uh, fighting Stamp um, after having her baby was big. Um, you know, Stamp obviously really good coming off the Grand Prix. Uh, really just... When you talk about like AJ McKee to Bellator, homegrown star, really Angela Lee, I feel like has had this for years. The only thing about it is I get it. For a long time, one championships kind of felt like rising. We know it's there, but in the diet of the American MMA consumer, it just kind of never makes it onto your plate. Right. However, what I understand is that Angela Lee, obviously, look, we know one championship has money. And we know she's been a big deal for them. She's paid her bills with one championship. Uh-huh. And while, let's put it this way. If she and Max Holloway are in a Walmart in Hawaii, I know who's getting bothered and it's not Angela. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Regardless, so she didn't have that. That being said, you almost feel like she got to have the best of both worlds. She goes to Singapore She's a mega star and she has a lot of attention, gets to come home, bills paid, kind of live more or less what I assume is a normal life, right? Yeah. Because the typical MMA fans, not as many are watching one. There are a lot more now. I'll tell you that in the last three years for sure. But I think it's like this is also one of those cases, you know, yes, she is obviously Asian. Born in Canada, lives in America and Hawaii. So it's not like, oh, she's not... She is an American fighter who got to enjoy this in Asia. Yeah. I think that that is really like, hey, this is an avenue that can clearly be explored and be very amazing for athletes. It's just you kind of got to be willing to take a different path than than the UFC Bellator PFL route. You know what I mean? Right, totally. And I think that's probably a great legacy for Angela outside of the cage. This is part of the business and she blazed a path into it. I think that's really amazing. What about you? Yeah, it totally is. You know, like you just get, you say, you have to be very practical and sensible to do what she did. There was an avenue for stardom for her in the UFC if she was willing to make sacrifices. And we've seen what, we've seen what happens to the Adam Waits that went to the UFC. Well, they didn't really have options when they started thinking Carlos Barza, Michelle Watterson, right? Well, remember one championship atom weight is 115, which would be straw weight oh, here. That's right, that's right. Well, but that's I, but, for, but <laughs> also remember, though, the rehydration makes that different. Yeah. So, like, your, straw, your quote, straw weights in one championship are still probably smaller than the straw weights in UFC or other leagues. Right. That's right. true. Okay. Well, I'll finish my thought anyway. It's a little, it's a little uh, irrelevant now, but... You know, she she could have tried to jump into the the big pond, right? A little fish in a big pond, UFC. She would have been undersized a little bit, not as much as I thought initially. But, you know, she carved out a path for herself where she could basically stand at the top of the mountain for as long as she wanted, right? Now, does that come with pressure? Obviously, it does. We've seen the, the, the downside of, of being at the top of the mountain for so long and basically alone. But you got to respect it, yeah. Because it's like so practical and sensible, but also it's not like she's, you know, hidden away in a in a closet. She's a star in Asia. 
And Asia is really freaking big, <laughs> right? And it's a huge part. If you look at a map, a world map, there's a lot of countries in Asia. It takes up a large part of the uh, the the land, the real estate on a world map. So she made a decision and she she just stuck with it and rode it to glory. But how would her life have been different if she had done, you know, UFC or some other promotion? Who knows? It doesn't matter, right? But you got to give credit to to being able to say like, no, I'm gonna just run this until the wheels fall off. No, no puns intended there. But you know, it's interesting, impressive, and obviously, like you said, she's not, you know, <laughs> she's she got paid, and she's probably her brand is probably big enough that she can get paid fine, just fine in other ways doing who knows what, but, you know, being a, a brand ambassador or sponsor for other products, I'm sure she was already doing that. So she's yeah, good. <laughs> no, 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 for, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, one of the things that I would kind of point out is that uh, there's something to be said for being in control of everything when you're, you know, in a star like Angela in one championship. Like, essentially, the show is built around you. Like, I don't imagine that one doesn't give her all the tickets she wants, right. for example, to her fights. I don't imagine that she can't say, I'm not doing that extra media. If she says, I just don't want to do that extra media. Now, I'm not saying that the UFC guys don't have that kind of muscle at a certain level. But you got to think, for someone of her stature for someone of her fame and all that if you tell me ronda rousey has that kind of pull yeah makes sense i get it when you talk about an angela lee who's not a big star in america having that kind of power when she goes over to one and does her stuff for one i mean how awesome is that right yeah like you kind of get to do that and go to target without being bothered right ronda can't do that and so, you know, I think there's a big part of that that I want to acknowledge. And I think here's the thing. She had great fights. She fought some talented girls. Uh, I mean, look at Stamp. Look at Jung. You know, Jung. They're freaking good. I mean, I had that fight with Jung. What was it? Our 2020, 2019 fight of the year. That banger was awesome. Um, All of that just comes together. You, There's a path for you sometimes if you're just willing to take it and be different and i think that's what angela proved and you know got the benefits that aj mckee and others have had in like bellator sean o'malley to a certain extent obviously from a young age and kind of run the table at ufc it's really awesome and i think that's really cool i think if you're a fighter and you saw angela how can you not say you might want that particularly we know this some fighters admit it they don't like doing a lot of media they don't like a lot of attention there is indeed less of that at one yeah so yeah um congratulations angela lee best wishes thank you for the memories i'm sure we'll be hearing a lot about from her as days go on and I just hope it's just this thing that reaches beyond MMA for people because I think that would be beautiful to see someone like that really have this take off and you'll have people who are like, and you used to be an MMA fighter, you say, and it's like, oh, <laughs> is that right? Like, imagine her being outside of the MMA circle doing this. That'd be awesome. Would love it. That's my wish for it. Um, we do have two 
MMA events this weekend. Let's start with the easy one. Grant Dawson, Bobby Green. Um, you know Bobby. Doesn't matter win or lose. He brings it. Such slick boxing. Game as heck. Um, tough, durable. Grant Dawson's on a roll. This is kind of like his... This is clearly set up to be his breakout party. Bobby Green is a vet and dangerous, but he's not exactly Gaethje and Dustin Poirier out there, right? Yeah. So this is his big headliner. You win this one. Now let's start talking about the Sarukians and the Gamrots and the Jalen Turners. And we win those fights. Now we start talking about the Michael Chandlers of the division, right? That's what we're looking at for Grant Dawson. Um, Another well-rounded guy. Another powerfully built lightweight for the weight class. Um, you got to think he's feeling himself on his uh, win streak right now. Just a lot of that confidence that does count for something out there. Uh, makes for a very fun fight. What about you? Yeah, fun fight. You know, I'm not over the moon about it, uh, but it is a fun fight. And these are one of those fights where you you never know who can who's going to pop right um, from one of these fights, not specifically from. From this fight, but one of these, you know, Apex main events, it's like sometimes they're exciting, sometimes they're okay, but you never know what's going to happen. And even if the fight's not exciting, they could get on the mic, make a little noise. Like, there's always an opportunity for something bigger to come out of it apart from just getting the W. So, all that being said, you know, Bobby Green usually has a lot to say about stuff, but Grant, Grant Dawson has uh, a lot to prove this is a big moment for him i think this did you say this already his first main event right first five round fight i don't know if overall in his career but it is definitely in ufc yeah so a lot of pressure but i feel like less pressure to be a main event fight when it's at the apex just you know you're not getting that rush of energy and crowd and all that stuff so it's kind of a nice starter point for um what you know what he would hope be hoping is an upward trajectory so and all that being said uh, i think grant dawson just has more momentum he can put everything together in such a way that i think bobby green will have some success but not a lot i think grant dawson is going to be able to win by decision so it's not going to be a you know crazy uh doom bay nine second ko by any means but he'll get the job done and um it's going to go to the judges, but he'll get the, the win over Bobby Green. I agree. I think that it's, uh, I think just stylistically, he has the right weapons to kind of, you know, get Bobby. I know the Tony Ferguson fight was big and it's huge and Tony's a big name and Bobby handled business. Grant Dawson is just in a different spot in his career. Not saying that Bobby obviously doesn't have the kind of weapons to make this fun and dangerous, but I just think that, I see Grant Dawson executing well-rounded, maybe grapple him, kick him, get in his face, push him against the fence, take all that range and speed away, and just kind of stifles him to a five-rounder. Maybe he gets a finish, which would be huge, but I also give the credit, Bobby Green is a tough dude to put away. I mean, I don't even think Fazeev got him out of there. Am I, True, yeah. Like, it took, Fazeev had to put in work to get him if he did. If I remember that fight. But I think they actually went the distance. So, I mean, you could bang with a guy like Fazeev. You're pretty tough to get out of there, in my opinion. So, there we go. Um, Then, obviously, Bellator 300 on the same night in San Diego. Uh, Disclaimer, I will be there. 
I'm not going to be there the full week, guys, but follow me on social media anyway. I'll have stuff, especially as we get to the meat and potatoes at the end of the week. Um, Cage Side Press, we have a great crew. They have you covered uh, in the days leading up to it. Um, now three title fights announced about an hour before we went on the air. Linton Vassell, due to illness, is out of his fight with Ryan Bader. It doesn't look like Ryan's going to take a short notice opponent. It's in five days, not, you know, in, including one day of weigh-ins. It's going to be nearly impossible to find someone, and I get Ryan probably not wanting a short-notice guy anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, we know Bellator is... All signs are now saying Bellator will be here next year. And Natalie, can I tell you something? Yeah. You know how we just had Bellator 300, and then it just was like ominous, ominously nothing else? Right. I think they thought 300 was going to be it, too. <laughs> And they realize, wait, we'll be fine. Let's keep going. Yep. Like, wait, wait, wait. we got to uh, keep booking these fights. Come on, guys. No, usually, you know, I noticed that and I'm like, well, this doesn't seem good. And then it's like, oh, I think something has changed. Um, I, I also noticed there are a lot of prelim fights. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but think, are we trying to fulfill a lot of contracts before we liquidate? Yeah. And let people get their paydays. Um, look, everyone, do your thing, right? Or whatever it is. Um, final point on it is that, like, okay, you know, the plans for Bellator, 300 maybe doesn't seem as... I'll, I'll be honest. If you told me this is the last Bellator event ever, I think that added something to it. It's still huge, but it is also not quite all the, you know... Now it feels like, well, they're going to go big for their last event in two years, right? Right. So this kind of takes away from 300 a bit. It's still a great night of fights. Um, Obviously, if you just care about the three title fights alone, that's a good night of television. Um, I'm a, You know what, ladies first, talk to me about what you like from the title fights that we got. Okay, yeah, so, you know, my, my mind hasn't been changed as far as, for me, it's about the, the, the female fights. Cyborgs and Gano, I just want to see what's going to happen. You know, it's, it, are they in their primes? No. Um, does this mean as much as it did, would have meant in, well, when? I guess they, they never crossed paths in the UFC officially, or maybe for a second. Um, so, you know, we're getting it when we're getting it, and I actually don't care that it's late because they are still big names. They're still going to get after it. You know, Cyborg has... She didn't need to fight Kat Zingano to solidify her legacy, but if she beats her, it's like, okay, here you go, right? And Zingano, this would be the biggest win she's ever had. I mean, you know, Amanda Nunes before she became Amanda Nunes... This will be her biggest victory, though, for Singano. Not that she wants to retire, but if she did, it's a fine way to go out, right? Beating Cyborg, the best. So I'm really excited for this. Do I expect a knockout? No. Potential for a TKO, yes, of Cyborg on Zingano. Um, but e- either, no matter the result, I'm hoping for a barn burner and expecting a barn burner. I don't think there's going to be a lot of grappling well, I take that back. Zingano, if she gets hurt, she might try to go in for use her wrestling, of course. But here's the thing. How how tough is, is Zingano's chin? Who has the tougher chin? We know Cyborg has the harder punches, but who has the tougher chin? Who has the better cardio? 
I think all signs still point to Cyborg, but I'm just excited for this. Next, Carmouche, McFarlane, you know, like friends, fi- friends who become enemies. They're not enemies though, right? But it's like, how serious they're gonna are they gonna take this? Are they gonna get after it harder because they're friends? Harder because they know each other? Are they gonna be laughing in there, passing, you know, telling each other jokes, or are they gonna be in like ultra kill mode? I don't know, <laughs> and it's gonna be exciting. I think it's gonna be grapple heavy, but I'm I'm very very much looking forward to both of those fights. Yeah, so I I. I did ask them, like, uh, can we get, like, set the record straight? Are you guys in... I think what it is, San Diego's a big place, so she just moved. And so, you know, she just wasn't in their gym as much anymore and scheduling. So it's not like they, quote, ever had beef. It's just like, no, it's just logistically, we're just not able to as much anymore. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, they don't have beef i never i didn't think they did i just thought yeah you know yeah you know and it's like oh okay and it's like and then obviously now that i'm here alima's been here same weight class it's kind of like oh you know it just so happens they coincided together like that um yeah so yeah so let's talk about cyborg and cat for me this is huge obviously for cat zingano because it's almost been too long coming and I think that Kat's story could be very different on Monday than it is today. Because right now, the thing about Kat that I I would argue is that after all this wait, a lot of her career has kind of lost momentum. I think she's essentially riding it on the name value that she fought Ronda Rousey. And that was, I mean, remember, the year she fought Ronda, I was there, the same years when she lost to Holly Holm. And so Ronda yeah. was peak Ronda, you know, fast and furious. And yeah, do nothing, bitch, all that stuff, yeah. Ronda was everywhere, everyone, the world stopped to watch Ronda. You know, Instagram and all that, like, stuff was fitting in 15 seconds. You could watch Ronda's whole fight in Instagram, all of that. That's right, yeah. Kat got a bump off of that. Um, beat Misha Tate, obviously, before then. And then, you know, you have all this stuff with Bellator, and remember, you know, she she moves up to featherweight. She has the the toe injury to the eye with Megan oh, Anderson. That's right, that's right. And it it became like a non-event, okay. And then she goes to Bellator, and then you find out it was because of that whole thing with Netflix and Halle Berry. She was supposed to have Valentina's role in Bruised. Yeah. And you know, Cliff Notes version Kat Zingano, because she wasn't UFC, wasn't in the film because Halle Berry and them said it was supposed to be a UFC fighter. When Kat turned down a fight to be in the film, <laughs> UFC released her, and then she couldn't do the film. Right. That's... Which I, I'm pretty sure she's still in court over if they haven't reached a settlement. Yeah. I you mean, know, I love Halle Berry, but she deserves, Zingano deserves some... Uh... That was a little dirty, right? Yeah, she deserves some money for that one, man. Yeah, So, but my point is that, like, this is Kat Zingano's story right now. Mm-hmm. She goes out there and she beats Cyborg. It kind of, I don't want to say it's all worth it, but it's a different kind of thing. She gets that gold. She gets to... Look, if she calls it a day, she goes out on top. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of this stuff, right? Suddenly, is Cyborg the fight for Kayla Harrison or is it Kat Zingano? Right? Yep. Where, where are we at? And then for Cyborg... Uh, we've talked about this. She's got to be thinking about how does she want to close this out? 
And look, now that Bellator's sticking around, yes, you got that Sarah Collins, you have some of these other girls, obviously the PFL component, all of that's out there. It's always going to be out there, but it's like, you beat Kat in Bellator if you ask me her work is done. There's always going to be a younger girl, another girl, you could find one. Cyborg could call it a day in Bellator. And I would hope that she pushes, and I'm sure this is going to be a business thing, make a deal happen. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But I also think that for Cyborg, this is her, now it's about, she's done everything. Do you get to put a bow on it, or do you just get to give your friends, like, a a badly wrapped box? The present inside is awesome. You built that over 20 years of fighting. Yeah, right. But now it's the bow. And that (laughs) bow is always so nice, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It, it really is the you know the the cherry on top. All right, then let's talk about um, you know uh, for me it's all about Usman Nurmagomedov in terms of this name value, and I think because he's just got all of these factors that you feel like could make him a star. Only twenty five years old. I think he was only twenty four when he won the title last year, um, or earlier this year. Uh, obviously, the name, the Habib factor of it. But the fact is, you have this super prospect already at the top of the Bellator division, already beating some veterans. And now you talk about the component that he could be, if the deal indeed goes through, probably going to be fighting some of the PFL stars next year. Yeah. Because, you know, spoiler alert, I just don't see Bellator. I don't see PFL keeping Bellator. And then saying, okay, yeah, but we're also going to not touch Usman and Vadim and Johnny Eblen and et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Right. And now, mind you, I do, I'll counter that. What does, you know, what is Bellator without these guys? Like, if you lose your Patchy and your Usman and all of that next year, um, someone else could tell me that answer. I don't have it. It doesn't sound good. But the fact is you have a superstar like this. All right, that's great. I want to see it. Obviously, Brent Primus is a great, tough contender, former champion, and really just kind of come into his own post-Michael Chandler and all that. I think it's great. I think it's huge. I think Brent should have been the Grand Prix from the get-go. I think all of this works out perfectly. Um, Look, uh, Alima and Liz, to me, I kind of look at it... uh, I know it's a tough fight. To me, it's a, for this one, it's about nostalgia. Like, when I think about this fight, I think about, you know, I was at the Carmouche Ronda fight. Yeah. I think this was, this was, um, what was the first? Uh, okay, I guess it might have happened like a year or two after that. But the fact is, it was one of the first fights I got to go to live because um, I was living in the area at the time. I think about that. I've gotten to interview Liz. The first time I interviewed Ilima, she was still a couple fights away from fighting for the title. Definitely wasn't the face of Anheuser-Busch Hawaii and all that, Pineapple Princess, none of that. And I do look on that interview as like, you know, I'm blessed enough to say I've done this enough times and been at it so long that's, man, look how... Look how green and young I was. <laughs> so to kind of look at this fight now and attend it where I'm at now in my career, it, it's just like, yes, someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. 
I'm so happy for both of them because I've been to San Diego and seen the reaction with the Lima. And, you know, I know that's her house and her home. I just want to see that for, for me, it's the nostalgia. For me, it's kind of like, is this is the last chapter. This is, you know, ending it where we started it. You know, it, it's great. I think it's awesome. Liz lives out there. You know, a lot of fans are there for the two of them specifically. It's great. I can't wait. So in that way, I'm very happy. Um, obviously, the undercard has some, you know, we're showing it some love. But for the most part, that's where we're at. And I think it's going to be great. So there we go. Yeah. Yeah. But um, good night of fights. Bellator continues. PFL continues. And UFC is what's on next week. Sadiq Youssef, Edson Barbosa. I'll let you have the last word before we sign off. Uh, Edson Barbosa, man. Look, not not the, the highlight reel of, of yesteryear, but I'm still always excited to see him fight. The man's physique is, like, never diminishing. It's like a Yoel Romero status, right? Just always looks fit, always looks ready to go, has impressive moves, but I don't know where his chin is. And Sadiq Yusuf is uh, is ready to get a win over a, a relatively you know good sized name like Edson Barbosa, so it could be interesting. I am looking forward to it. Yeah, this is really the breakout moment for Sadiq, and then Edson is Edson. We know this, so yeah, it's going to be another good one. Um, look, Banger. We'll obviously recap the good stuff. We'll look forward to the next stuff, and we'll enjoy more of this stuff. It'll be great. Um, Until then, guys, thank you for tuning in. Remember, like, comment, subscribe. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a good one.